0: The world is becoming increasingly proficient at telling stories that deny God. As such, we need Thinking Christian to become as natural as breathing. Welcome to the Thinking Christian podcast. I'm Dr. James Spencer. Through calm, thoughtful theological discussions, Thinking Christian highlights the ways God is working in the world and questions the underlying social, cultural, and political assumptions that hinder Christians from becoming more like Christ. Now, on to today's episode of Thinking Christian. Hey everyone, welcome to this uh, this episode of Thinking Christian, I am joined today and I'm excited to have on as a guest, Emerson Egerich. Uh Emerson wrote a book, uh, which my wife and I actually went through uh, earlier on in our marriage, Love and Respect. He and his wife started Love and Respect uh, in 1999, and that's still going. You can check out all the resources. He's got a lot of resources, a lot of new videos, uh, blogs, podcasts, all that kind of fun stuff over at loveandrespect.com. And in addition to that, you know, he's been a he was a pastor for about 20 years in East Lansing, Michigan. And so really full life of ministry. Um, and Emerson, as I was uh, looking at your, at, you know, I was reading back through love and respect and uh, just prepping for the interview. I remembered that you also went to Wheaton College. And so we have actually that in common. Uh, I did my master's at Wheaton College back in the day. So um, really lovely to have you on the on the program. And I'm excited to have a conversation with you. So thanks for being on. Oh no, that's great! It's great to know you're a Wheaties, and uh,
1: so is Sarah, my wife. That's where I met Sarah back in those early days. I think uh, I think the horse and buggy was just on its way out. <laughs> <laughs> when were you there?
0: Uh, would it have been in the seventies, or
1: yeah, sixty nine. I freshman year, sixty nine, and uh, that's when I entered, and she came in seventy, and and uh, so those were our our years, and uh, very exciting for us. I was a new believer in Christ. I had just come to Christ two years before, at a Billy Graham film called For Pete's Sake. I was at a military school from eighth grade to twelfth grade because of family issues. So I was at Missouri Military Academy, went to this Liberty Theater, heard about Christ. I didn't know this. And uh, I received Christ into my life. And I was headed toward West Point. I met with my congressman, the president of the Academy can make recommendations. But when I found Christ, Billy Graham, I found out went to Wheaton. I didn't know any of this stuff, and uh, I thought Billy and I were the only two that knew what was happening. And uh, <laughs> so I applied to Wheaton, and I was accepted. And but that's another
0: story. But that gives you a little background on Wheaton. No, it's actually pretty fantastic. I actually was. Uh, I actually uh, went out for West Point as well. So that's an, oh, is that right? Kind of, yeah, I did. Uh, When I was uh, when I was looking at colleges, um, they they came to a recruiting event and I was like, well, this could be interesting. So I actually went all the way through um, and ended up being accepted. And then just decided that probably the military wasn't for me. Uh, I had a little bit of a rebellious streak and I didn't know I didn't really feel like that having that beaten out of me um, when I first (laughs) went to college. So. I uh, I opted out, but um, but yeah, West Point. Yes. And I'm actually close, I think, to the mil- uh, Missouri Military Academy or some version of it. Um, is it near Columbia, Missouri? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Mexico, Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'm very, over, very I'm few people. O- very few people. Yeah. They, people don't yeah. know about that. But no, no, I, where are you then? I live in O'Fallon, Illinois, which is on uh, the Illinois side of St. Louis to the east. But I make the trip over to Kansas City an awful lot. And so they've got a series of billboards there that talk about the um, Missouri Military Academy. And so, yeah, some pretty cool, just some cool kind of get-to-know-you uh, connections yeah, for us. Yeah, 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 I was there cool. five years, five years of my life, yeah. Wow, very cool. Well, let's dig into, um, you know, sort of, I, like I said, my wife and I read the book uh, Love and Respect um, when we were probably five years into our marriage, I think. Um, you know, we were starting to have just the normal kind of uh, disagreements and frustrations that a young married couple has. And my wife heard about your book, I think, on the radio. And um, and so she picked up two copies for us and we read through it and, and found it to be really amazing. And so for those of you, for those in the audience who maybe aren't as familiar with Love and Respect, Would you just mind walking through kind of the basics of, you know, the craziness cycle and, um, you know, what it looks like to do love and respect in a marriage? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. In fact,
1: you know, one of the points I make is many couples have these tensions and conflicts due to honest misunderstandings. There's there's not a lack of goodwill. You and your wife did not lack goodwill, but you're five years, six years into the marriage and and somebody can be 30 years into the marriage. And many of these conflicts I take the position, if there's basic goodwill, you know, they're not committing adultery, they're not lying, yeah. they're not selling cocaine, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right, And so given there's basic goodwill, yeah. but we're having these ongoing tensions, I've been encouraged uh, through my research and these years of doing this, that oftentimes these things arise because of what we call a pink and blue difference. And even though that uh, word picture is upsetting to some, it's really a word picture that Uh, each of us looks at it through our upbringing, our, our, uh, you know, gift mix, our talents, our interests, our passion, our gender. There are a whole set of things. But at the end of the day, she looks at things differently than he does. And the question is, are both uh, wrong on that or just different? And we're coming at it from different angles. But this creates resentments. You know, we feel devalued. We've said to them many times, please listen to me. You're not hearing me. (laughs) And and, uh, we end up getting into these conflicts. And so, That is a backdrop. And because my mom and dad divorced when I was one, then they remarried a year later. But then I saw my dad attempt to strangle my mother to death when I was two and a half. I never surfaced that until after he had died years later. And mom said, you were too little to remember that. And then I described what I saw. And I said, is that what happened? And she said, yes. And I said, well, I apparently wasn't too little. Uh, But then dad committed adultery. Uh, I was then sent to military school. Uh, I come to Christ at age 16 at this film, and I go off to Wheaton in my freshman year. My mom comes to Christ. Uh, My sister, who's five years older, came to Christ. My brother-in-law, who's a professor, came to Christ. And then my dad came to Christ. Everybody came to Christ my freshman year, and our family changed. My mom started speaking for Christian women's clubs. Dad would drive her, telling their testimony. But that woundedness was there in me. But I've reflected over the years, so much of the conflict was due to this honest misunderstanding. It's not ill will. There was not evil intent. And even though there were very traumatic things, dad sure. didn't make a habit of, dad was not in a habit of doing what he did, but he obviously wounded mom. She sh- shut down. She closed off. But as I watched them over the years as a little kid, I'm thinking, this is not, this is not the kinds of tensions that they had were over money, management of money, Uh, This Mm -hmm. and that. And so part of my pastoral study, when I came across back to your now question about love and respect, when I landed landed on Ephesians five, which is considered the greatest treatise in the New Testament on marriage by most, um, that summary statement in verse 33, Paul kind of summarized and he said, husbands must love their wives and wives must respect their husbands. And I've got my PhD in family studies from Michigan State University. I was pastoring there in East Lansing, where Michigan State is. And I realized no one would debate the fact that a husband ought to love his wife. (laughs) The debate was respecting a man. You don't respect a man unless he deserves it, unless he's earned it. But I thought there must be something here. And having gone to military school, men serve and die for honor. You and I die for honor. Honor is a huge thing. We're motivated by honor. In fact, Shanti Feldhahn, good friend and researcher, Uh, asked uh, the American male, the decision analyst out of Houston asked the American male as a random sample, 400 American men, and then did it again because they were blown away by the study. But the the question was asked, would you men rather be left alone and unloved in the world or be viewed as inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Would you men rather be left alone and unloved in the world or be viewed as inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Almost 75% of the men said they'd rather be left alone and unloved. And so the question then is, why do men find respect and honor and, and, and being adequate in their field so important? Because of narcissism, that's how it's filtered by some. Not when you die, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, when you give your life for people. So um, there is this virtue here, and I tapped into it. And so as I looked at the Apostle Paul, and then I did research, and University of Washington studied 2,000 couples for 20 years. And they said, we now know the two key ingredients for successful marriages, love and respect, and they became very gender specific. And I'm into this and I'm thinking, I think I've, I'm seeing something here that could be very helpful to people like my mom and dad. Yeah. And here's what I here's what I discovered. I thought to myself, when Sarah and I get into conflict, most often she's feeling unloved. She needs my respect. And she'll say at times, you're not respecting me. But the, if I keep showing disrespect, she said, how can you say you love me and, and be disrespectful?
0: It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through your humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only.
1: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. But when I have reactions to Sarah, I never question her love. Women love to love, by and large. I just don't feel like she likes me. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I'm, I'm filtering that through disrespect. And I was, I was meditating on that, I studied the Bible 30 hours a week for nearly 20 years. That was my assignment from the leadership and the church wanted me to do that for exposition of Scripture. I'm I'm thinking love and respect. There's a correlation here. And I thought, ah, here was the illumination. And now I'll kind of uh come to the answer to your question. Um long way of getting around to it. The No, it's good. I, I thought, well, when Sarah feels unloved, she negatively reacts. I know that I see it. But you know what? When she does, I feel disrespected. That's that's how I'm filtering it. I'm filtering it through and she And I think I wonder if that's why the Lord is saying to Sarah, be guarded here, Sarah. When you negatively react when you feel unloved, you're going to be interpreted by Emerson as disrespectful. Unfair to you, Sarah. He should get it. He should be smarter than he is. He's educated beyond his intelligence. I get that. But nonetheless, (laughs) he he should he should not be interpreting you as disrespectful. But he is. And then I thought to myself, I don't question Sarah's love, even when she's upset with me. I just don't think she likes me or respects me. And I end up stonewalling 85% of those who withdraw and stonewall is the husband that's the University of Washington after 2000 uh, couples 20 years they said men 85% of those who withdraw and stonewall is a man because his heartbeats get to 99 beats per minute he's got to calm down her she looks like she's emotionally out of control her heartbeats are normal she knows exactly where she's going she knows her aim to reconcile and connect here and apologize mutually but men are in warrior mode so we have to pull away to calm down, which to her is the most unloving thing you could possibly do. And so right. I'm thinking about this research. I'm thinking about the scripture. I'm thinking about the correlation. And then quamo, the crazy cycle, came into my mind. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, and this baby starts to spin, James, and it gets out of control among couples of goodwill who have honest misunderstandings.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think intuitively there's a sense in which and I know there's you know, different ways to love people. But I, I think the notion of respect is so uh, novel in in sort of an odd way. When you describe respect, what what are you really talking about there? What is it that men are really looking for? Yeah. And this is a question wives will say, you
1: know, I have no idea what you're talking about, Emerson. I said, well, do you know what disrespect is? Do you know what disrespect is? Oh, yeah, I got that down. (laughs) They know. I said, well, just just kind of cut that back in half and he'll feel honored. Okay, just cut that back in half. And so and it's true. It's true. Uh, There was a book I wrote called Motivating Your Man God's Way. And uh, this woman was having conflict with her husband and he knew that she'd been reading that book. And she she pulled back, and her tone was different. The University of Washington again said women have the gestures of contempt. Their their face turns sour, they roll their eyes, they sigh, they point their finger, they put their hand on their hip, their head goes back. And when estrogen kicks in, the word choice of contempt just rolls off their lips. And University of Washington said this is what women will do when they're upset, but they expect the man to decode that because they decode it among one another. I know why that sweet dewdrop is reacting the way she is. He was so unloving. Well, I agree with that, but the gestures of contempt are being interpreted by him as you don't like him and you don't respect him. And if you pull back a little bit, just shift that tone a little bit. I don't want to be dishonoring you. I don't know how to talk to you. I don't want to diss you right now. You're an honorable man who would die for me if I don't kill you first. But how do I say this respectfully? And this woman was doing this toward her husband, and he said, she said he came over and started loving on me, holding me, kissing me. And she said, what are you doing? He said, "You read the book," <laughs> and she said, <laughs> "He he picked up on it." And she said, "It works, and it does work with people of goodwill." Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, first of all, it's not being disrespectful. In, in other words, it's just truth carries its own weight, as we say. Truth will carry. But some women feel like they need to really just come at this because he's not hearing me, and I get that. I get that. But the question is: Is that the woman of dignity that God wants you to be? No. So how you can say, I want to say this honorably. I want to say this respectfully. I'm very upset right now. I'm very mad at you, but I know you would literally die for me. You're an honorable man. But how do I say this without you thinking I'm just using this topic as another opportunity to send you a message? I don't like you when the truth is I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling hurt again. I need to really talk through. I would hope you would apologize. But how do I bring this up without you just shutting down on me? that in and of itself? Now, he he's going to be suspicious that you're drunk, okay? <laughs> but, but, you know, apart from that humorous comment, there's going to be this sense that you're up to something. And if there's some tension yeah. in the relationship, he's, gonna, he's not necessarily going to say, oh, this is so wonderful, but he's going to be hearing you so loud and clear. And if it's genuine, just watch what happens. I tell ladies, don't do this as a test. Do this because you're trying to meet a need that he has that only you could meet. This is not a matter of manipulating him but it is a matter of meeting the need. And when you do that, that way, he will meet you halfway. Does that make sense, James?
0: It does. And I I think it resonates my wife and I's experience with the concept and really trying to work it through. I think there was a a period there where we both knew we were sort of in training, (laughs) you know, uh, I was trying to learn to love her better. And so it was coming off a little bit wooden, right? Mm -hmm. Like she knew I was trying. It wasn't natural necessarily. And and I felt the same with her. Um, But I I think we both had to just respect the fact that we were trying, that the effort was there and that we really wanted this to get better. And so we're willing to overlook sort of the, uh, you know, the suspicions like you're talking about. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we both I, I think, number one, we both went through it together. Um, which I'd kind of like to ask you about here in a second, but but I think you know. Number one, we both went through it together, and we both had the same intent. We both wanted our marriage to be better, and so we we recognize this as we're working through this. It might be a little awkward, a little strange. It's not exactly how we naturally communicate, but once we get past that, this is going to be better, and we believe it's going to be better. And so um, I think it's really encouraging, actually, to hear that you've had that experience with other couples, and that you you know this is kind of part of what it is um that there are those awkward moments at the beginning where you're thinking that the other person's up to something because they really kind of (laughs) are
1: well yeah and that's an excellent point you make that if two people as you did you read the book together she's going to say everything that emerson says about loving a wife is true (laughs) you know (laughs) but it's the respect side that's awkward to her but as the guys read the book and we wrote this book in a fair and balanced way because uh and and uh, we focus on the family who sponsored us as the marriage conference mm-hmm. for four years, did research. And 49% of those who initiate come, our, come to our live marriage conference, where we averaged about 1800 per a two-day conference, was the man. And I said all along, men are not indifferent to marriage. They just don't hear their mother tongue. But when they read the Love and Respect book, the guys are saying everything Emerson's saying here about respect is true. And so he knows it's true. But he's not necessarily feeling as comfortable about the love side. So if two people like you and your lovely wife, both of you are saying, look, everything he's saying about me is true. And you said that as well. Then I'm going to trust that what he's saying about the other person is also true, because I know he's he's speaking my mother tongue. So let's trust each other. It is going to be awkward. It's going to feel scripted. It's going to feel in some ways it's always that because it's not within our nature to be a woman as a man. That's not within our nature. So we're not going to be as nurturing. The research points out women are the caregivers, nurturers. Women can't not care. And I always say to men at these at our conferences, if you get sick, you're going to be on 100 prayer teams across America consisting of women. And those women are going to be praying for you, even though they don't personally know you, because they care. They're just burdened. It's just a beautiful thing. It's mm-hmm. a virtue. It's of God. And as men, we're never going to enter into that to that extent. But there's also in the male certain characteristics that she's never going to fully understand. Even this whole idea of expressing respect rather than expressing love is always going to feel a bit awkward. And I wrote the book called Mother and Son, The Respect Effect. And I've said to mothers, you'll never stop expressing your love to your boy and don't stop. But I want you to introduce a new vocabulary, like saying you were an honorable young man the other day when you told the truth. You know, I really believe in you. I respect what you just did. I respect you. I believe God has something special for you. Use what I call uh, the respect language. Even though it feels scripted, it's okay, just as most women would say. If my husband would just say, I don't know how to do this love thing. I want to be loving. Sometimes I don't think I have feeling on about anything, but I want to try to be loving. She'll soften because you're speaking her language even in the apology. So it doesn't take a lot to really touch the spirit of the other person if they sense, Genuineness—that
0: makes sense. It definitely does, and, and and I guess I'm wondering. You know, obviously, my wife and I's experience with the book and with the concepts were together. Is that ideal? I mean, have you had a lot of folks who try to sort of go at this one sided? You know, so uh, a wife trying to respect her husband, but he doesn't really understand what's going on there. You know, she read the book, he hasn't, and and you know she's trying to respect him, but he has no idea what's happening um it just seems to me like it would work so much better if people did it together but i'm wondering what your experience is with that it goes without saying but the bible has changed so many lives take a second and think about it if you didn't have access to a bible or were even allowed to have one this is a reality that many are facing that's why i want to tell you about one of our partners crew crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know jesus there's just one thing they're missing a bible in their own language For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply, available to U.S. addresses only. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through your humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only.
1: Well, no, I mean, ideally, yes. I mean, Paul is t- yeah. in Ephesians talking to both husbands and wives, and he's expecting both of them to move forward in obedience to the command. God commands the husband to love, the wife to respect. And he's assuming both are reading this, and it's not for you to point the finger at the other for not obeying God. You've got your section here, and uh, <laughs> this is for you to, to do and quit pointing out the verse to your spouse, you know, which we have a tendency to do. There's that proclivity to point to them. If you would just do your part, then we wouldn't get on the crazy cycle. The reason we get on the crazy cycle is she's so disrespectful. No, probably because you're unloving. And then to your point, if a person, though, reads the book by themselves, this is what's so powerful about it. I mean, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, you can win a disobedient husband through your respectful behavior. Both Paul and Peter espouses, they don't command any wife to agape love their husband. That is completely mm-hmm. silent in the Greek. They only talk about this respect. And Peter goes a step farther and said, You can win in. And so I say to a wife, Well, my husband and almost every wife wants their husband to join them in in, in reading the book together, going to the conference together. It's just the way God's hardwired her. But we say to her, I'm gonna tell you, if you do this on your own, even though he's unwilling at this point, you do this in good faith, in humility. You're motivated rightly. You're not trying to ma- manipulate him. If he has any degree of goodwill, it's going to hit him like a, a it's just going to hit him like, you know, uh, some kind of a, a hit of drugs. I mean, it's just, it's so overwhelming. He's going to say, What's going on? Where's my wife? And what'd you do with her? Now, <laughs> that's going to be the initial reaction. Now you've got to, there's a process involved in this, but this is where then you can make the appeal. I'm trying to learn to honor you. You're an honorable man and, 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 and you would die for me. And that's overwhelming to me. And, and, but I've been reading this book on on how to do this. I, I, almost every man I know will then pick up that book. He will pick it up. That's been my experience. That's just, that, that's just how powerful this is. And this is a book where he'll hear his mother tongue. And one of the things I say, men operate by justice and honor. Uh, years mm-hmm. ago, Pat Riley had me come speak to the Miami Heat. And he and I spent five hours together in a room talking about justice and honor. And when men feel unjustly treated and dishonored, they'll... There'll be mutiny they'll 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 jump ship they will go or they'll throw the the captain overboard but yeah and but also men can misperceive injustice and misperceive dishonor there can be a a misreading that due to their own ego but given that a man is humble and good-willed and I say to a, a, a wife if you act on this information and then appeal to your husband to read this with you and he sees what you're doing he has something come over him which is called justice and honor he will say to them it's only fair and honorable for me to engage around this he really will come around not absolutely all men but any man with goodwill who wants to work on the relationship and he's tasted of this it's what we call power i tell people the conference there's power in this when we do it genuinely we do it in humility god would not mock us i mean hosea was told go love a woman who's an adulteress he won her gomer back through love Peter says you can win this husband. I don't believe the Lord is mocking. Now, I never make a 100% guarantee because Jesus had his Judas. But Jesus Absolutely. had his Judas yeah. who was betrayed, who was unfaithful. When we talk about an individual like yourself, James here, that you're a good man seeking God's will. You've got goodwill. Your wife, if she just picked up that book on her own and applied this, it would get your
0: attention immediately. It's powerful. I think let me take a quick break here in the show and when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about um, how each of the spouses might do work on themselves. Um, you know, as they're recognizing that like the wife is recognizing that she desires love and the husband's recognizing that he desires respect. How is it that they work on themselves so that they can better handle lack of love and lack and lack of respect, maybe in a relationship. I'd like to get your take on that. So We'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk through that a little bit. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, We're here uh, talking about love and respect, and uh, I left off just asking the question. So I know, again, when my wife and I went through this, and uh, I I hope it's okay, I'm getting uh, sort of your take on on how my wife and I experienced this, but I I was hoping it'd be kind of an interesting way to walk through the book. Um, I remember specifically... Thinking to myself, okay, if we're going to do the love and respect thing, if we're really going to work on me loving her and her respecting me, part of what I'm going to need to do is try to figure out how to manage my feelings when I feel disrespected. I know she's trying to respect me, and so I need to, on some level, figure out how to, um, yeah, just control myself, not to react. Um, but to be a little bit more um, maybe bounded in my own emotions, right, so that I wasn't always just sort of responding with a lack of love, but that I was recognizing her intent and her desire to respect me, even if I felt disrespected. Does that make
1: sense? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that's a sign of your maturation and and uh, your godliness, too to really want to make that a focus. Some people don't. They'll hear the crazy cycle without love. She reacts without respect, without respect. He reacts without love. And they'll assign blame. We wouldn't get on the crazy cycle if you were more respectful. Well, we wouldn't get on the crazy cycle if you were more loving. And once we start <laughs> pointing fingers, once you start pointing fingers, then, then as I always say, you're, you're probably more the reason for the problems in the marriage because your whole mindset is blame-placing and self-justification. And the first yes. sin after the first sin with Adam and Eve was, was uh, blame-placing. Adam says, the woman you gave me, he only knew two beings, uh, Eve and the Lord, and he blamed both of them in one sentence for his sin. And then she Mm -hmm. blames the serpent. And so Mm -hmm. the first sin after the first sin is blame placing. And we're geniuses at this. I'm a genius at being able to blame Sarah. Uh, (laughs) She's, she is responsible for my, my lack of love. And but once you go down that road and you recognize it, that's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to put them on the defensive, and we're just going to spend on the crazy cycle more and more. At the same time, how do I deal with those emotions to your question now? When, you know, yeah. she, she in fact was disrespectful. She said something, you know, you're just like your father, you know, I mean, and it came out and she knew it was wrong, but she said it anyway. Or, you know, well, you're just like your mother. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we, and we, and, right. and we get, it get nasty, you know, I mean, Sarah once chased me around the house with my love and respect book, pointing the a finger, saying, what would you say to a husband treating his wife the way you're treating me right now? And I said, <laughs> that's not fair. I just wrote the book. I don't do this stuff. No. So, you know, we all have we have these moments where, you know, we just want to blame and we want to point fingers. And you're saying, hey, you know what? I knew that wasn't healthy. And, and I always say we're not going to do this perfectly. And so there's got to be kind of given some grace, but not too much grace. Some of us can take advantage of that and justify our mm-hmm. own good negativity. But now to your question, there comes a moment when Sarah and I, and this is one of our axioms, and the axiom is this. My response is my responsibility. My response is my responsibility. We've locked into that. And then the, 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 it continues. My response is my responsibility. Sarah does not cause me to be unloving. She reveals me as unloving.
0: Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to this first part of my interview with Emerson Egrich. Uh, tomorrow we're going to air the second part of the interview. And so I hope you'll come back and check it out. It's, he's really got a lot of great insights. And, uh, as I mentioned in this first part of the interview, my wife and I had gone through love and respect and it was a really an important concept for us to adopt in our marriage and just really enjoyed it. So join us tomorrow as uh, I continue the interview with Emerson Egrich and, uh, Hope you enjoyed this episode of Thinking Christian. Take care, y'all. I just want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Thinking Christian podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.
1: Hi, friend. Are you stressed?